gosh, I'm glad to be back here with you. It seems like forever. Uh, Three weeks ago, the youth led us in worship. And I just want to say to all of you students who had a part in that, it was extremely powerful. And I have such hope for this world because of the leaders you are becoming. Thank you to our youth. If you haven't seen that, like Nick said, you got to go online. You got to get the church app and watch it. We got some preachers in our midst. Two weeks ago, I was working. I was serving on a team for Walk to Emmaus, and Brent preached a powerful word. I'll be, I'll be giving part two of that today. And then last week, as Nick said, the children were incredible. Thanks to all of you children who led us in worship. That's what it is. That's what it means to be the body of Christ. So let's make sure, as I said, if you haven't seen those, you have to go online. Make sure that you are participating in the life of this body of Christ. Well, as I said, two weeks ago, Brent left us with a very powerful question. He was teaching on the Mary and Martha story, and he said, Are you what you do, or are you what you be? Of course, he knew that was not, imp- it was not grammatically correct, but it was a powerful question. He reminded us that each of us is called by God to be with God, to abide with God in his presence. And he reminded us that that comes through personal worship and our devotional time, our quiet time with God, comes through prayer and worship, studying the scriptures, listening for God's voice to guide us. And here's a great quote. You need to remember this. Brent said, when we abide in him, his heartbeat becomes our own and we see the world as God sees it. That's where I want to go today. I want to expand upon it because we've been talking about how important it is to be in relationship, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We are created for relationship But we've got to go to scripture today. We're going to talk about the true vine. For many of you, it's a familiar passage of scripture. But it tells us who Jesus is and who we are supposed to be in him. So get your Bibles, get your whatever. Find John 15. John 15. And we're going to start at the very beginning. Let's pray. God, your spirit is so present here with us this morning. We want to be your servants. We long and desire to be in relationship not only with you, but with your people. So allow us to hear exactly, personally, what you want us to hear today. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In the name of Christ, amen. And I'm going to do sometimes what I do, the teacher thing. I'm not going to just read it through. I've got little bits to say throughout. So bear with me as we go through this scripture. I think it's really important that, that I give you some little tidbits along the way. Jesus said, I am the true vine and my father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes Now, also in the Greek, that means cleanses. So pruning and cleansing, getting rid of anything that does not belong, is what we're talking about. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. 
You've already been cleansed by the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. The Greek word there also means remain, continue, dwell, lean into, hang out with me. Get that feeling? It's all about Jesus calling us to himself. Abide, remain, dwell, hover with him. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit. He's talking about the fruit that comes from the Holy Spirit. Well, I'll remind you of that in a few minutes. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. Let that sink in. Apart from me, Jesus says, you, I, can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Well, I've got to put the brakes here. Because some people take that verse and they... they uh, I'm try- I lost a word. They think that God is a Santa Claus God. And hey, if we say, I want it, then God will give it to us. And that is not what this scripture means. It means that we can be sure that our wishes are listened to and attended to. And the more we abide and remain in Jesus Christ, then our heart is synced, linked with his heart. His desires become our desires. His will becomes our will. So don't you go here leaving and thinking that I mean that, hey, God just, you know, if I want it and I pray it, God will give it to me. That isn't what that scripture means. Understand? Okay. Verse 8. My Father is glorified by this, that you must bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. What a gift that is. Did you hear it? That Jesus will give us his joy and through him, through the joy that we have by remaining, abiding, dwelling with him, we will have joy. That's what Jesus in another part of scripture calls the abundant life, living life to the full. Verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I do not call you servants, or some translations call it slaves. I don't call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends Because I have made known to you everything that I've heard from my Father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Do you hear it? We are chosen. God loves us. We are loved, accepted. We are complete. 
We are redeemed. We are reconciled. We are appointed. We have an appointment. We have a a command. Jesus said, I appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last so that the Father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. That goes back to praying his will. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. Whew! That is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You see, it's all about our connecting to Christ and then connecting in community, loving one another. It's all about bearing fruit. Bearing fruit's a very common image in the Old Testament and the New Testament. It speaks of a community's faithfulness. Jesus appoints us, Jesus commands us to love one another as he loves us, and we li- when we live out of that appointment, when we live out of what God is calling us to do, when we love and when we witness, when we serve, ripe fruit is produced. It's up here at the bottom of the thrust, but it comes from Galatians 5:22, the fruit of the spirit. It's all the things that when we open up to the Holy Spirit's guidance within us, maturity uh, comes forth. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You have to understand that we can't bear fruit on our own. It's not something that we do, but when we are tapped into Jesus the Christ, then the Holy Spirit brings that forth within us. Jesus said, I am the true vine. In other words, Jesus is telling us, I am the source of your identity. I am who you are. In other words, we are the body of Christ. We call ourselves Christians. We call ourselves Christ followers. That's our identity. It comes through Christ's righteousness. In him, we live and move and have our very being. He's the vine. We are the branches, and as scripture says, apart from him, we can do nothing. So, I tell you what, I, God's calling us to get with it, I'm just saying. We're called to be the body of Christ. We give, this gives us, scripture gives us a formula for living in community. How we are called to live and love and serve. How we are called to be in relationship with one another. It comes from our personal time, abiding in him through the personal time of worship and study. But then it comes through our being intertwined with him and his presence. We are created for relationship. What does that mean? Again, bearing fruit It's a concrete display of discipleship. It's a result of abiding, remaining, staying, and dwelling with Christ. It's a result of willingly being obedient to follow Jesus. Willingly being obedient. To me, that means an opening up. To, to those holy nudges or those divine two-by-fours. It's an opening up, 
carefully listening for God's voice. This is the Holy Spirit working within us. And, and it, the willing obedience means that when God asks us to do something, when we get this, mm, I should call her, or ooh, I should do this, or I'm going to say something to this stranger, those, those very, um, I call them illogical, random, out-of-the-blue type things, if we are willingly obedient to that, as, as Lewis prayed, we are going to be blessed. That's how God matures us. That's how the ripe fruit comes forth, is when we choose to do what we hear in our spirit that may not make any logical sense to anybody else. The more we personally remain abide in him, the more change and transformation is going to occur in our lives and the more influenced we will be to be involved and interact with other people. We're the branches. We're connected to Christ who is the true vine and then we reach out and connect with the community. I don't know about you, but I've been praying for weeks about how we truly can be the church. And you know this, the church is not this building. The church is the body of Christ. And the, the most effective work that the church does is not here in this room, is not within this, these walls, is not within or on this church campus. It's how we choose to live our daily lives, how we choose to be in interaction with others, how we choose to live our faith and witness. I've been sensing it for some time, but now more than ever, God is calling us to step up. God is calling us to live our witness, to be bold, to speak to a stranger. I mean, that's the last thing I'm comfortable with. But when God calls me to do it, I want to be able to to be willfully, willingly obedient. We are called to be the image bearers of Christ, a, a mirror reflecting his love and his light. You know, did you see the paper? I'm just, I know I'm not supposed to be prideful, so it's not pride. But our own Rob Brass made the front page headlines. And look at what he said. Church is the answer. The church is the answer. It could be very easy for us as a society to get down. You turn on the TV to one of the news stations, pick your poison. It doesn't take long to get almost to a point of bitterness. The church, Brass said, needs to be society's conscience. God's desire is for his people to return to him. That's God's goal. The strategy that God has for for changing all of us, all of that is us. It's us. That'll preach. That's what God is calling us to do. And Rob, thank you, my dear brother. You see... There's a, there's a fire in my belly, and I know it's a Holy Spirit fire. That it's, we've been sitting on our laurels too long, my friends. We've been compartmentalizing ourselves as the body of Christ. And it's time that we take a stand. And I don't mean, you know, if God's calling you to take a bullhorn on a street corner, then don't let me stop you. 
But more importantly, I believe that it's in how we live our lives. How we are to be in, in community with one another. Jesus is our example. His love was unconditional. You know this. He hung out with the people that nobody else wanted to hang out with. So where is God calling you? Where is God calling me? I almost flipped out when I was studying and praying and I, God led me to the book of Revelation. I thought, oh boy, here we go. But you know what? There's an assessment that we need to do. Because in John's vision, I love the beginning of, of the book of Revelation where it says John was, uh, different translations say different things, but he was in the Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit was revealing things to him in this powerful vision. And the first couple chapters of Revelation is a message, a letter to seven different churches. I want you to, to look at that this week. But I want us to look as the body of Christ where these letters, this message might apply to us and where God might be calling you. And I'm just asking you, I ask that you pray fervently with me, that, God, that you and I could discern where God is calling us as a body of Christ. Because I know we are supposed to be doing things. We are supposed to be living our lives in such a way that Jesus is seen, that Jesus is experienced. All right, listen to these messages, the seven churches. Jesus told the church in Ephesus that he commended the people for their work, for their patient endurance, but he said, you have abandoned your first love, and that's Christ Jesus. You have abandoned your first love. He said to the church in Smyrna, Do not fear what you're about to suffer. The devil's going to throw a lot your way. But he basically tells this group of folks, Fight. Get up and get dressed for battle. That's an Ephesians 6 type of thing. And fight the good fight. To the church of Pergamum, he said, Repent from worshiping other gods. I call those the little G gods, all of the stuff and the things that we put as gods in our lives. Hmm. Repent from worshiping little G gods. The church in Thyatira, he told them, you're loving others in faith, in service, and patient endurance, but you're paying way too much attention to Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet. In other words, Jesus is telling this church, watch out, be careful. Watch out for false teachers. Watch out for false prophets because they're all around. To the church in Sardis, he said, you have a reputation for being a lively, friendly church, but you're spiritually dead. To the church in Philadelphia, he says, hold fast. You have little power, but you've kept my word. You've remained true Christ followers. And because of that, others will learn about me. And finally, to the church at Laodicea, he said, I know your words. 
I know your works. You're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other, Jesus said, but you're just lukewarm. And I have a sense that Jesus was implying repent and get with it. I don't know about you, but I felt a lot when I studied those messages to the churches because we as the body of Christ have work to do. And that stems from our personal, personal deepening relationship with Christ and then moving out to be the hands and feet of Christ. The next few months, I believe, are crucial. God has been doing powerful things in the life of this church. And I believe we're at a threshold. A threshold, you know, we're kind of going through the door here. We're going into something new. We don't know what God has planned. Will you covenant with me to join in prayer that we can determine how God is leading us to love others? How God is really calling us not only to love one another inside, but especially outside. You see, I believe it wholeheartedly. Jesus is the true vine, and we are the branches. Apart from him, we can do nothing. As the band comes up, let me lead you in prayer. God, we, we just humble ourselves before you. We are asking, pleading for your guidance, for your direction. We are asking, God, that you soften our hearts that you give clarity to us. Give us guidance and direction. Who are we supposed to be? How do you want us to live? What do you need us to change? God, we are willing. Give us the strength to be obedient. Give us the strength to do what you're calling us to do. What a privilege it is to be called your children. Guide us, direct us, we pray in the name of Christ, the true vine. Amen.